Chapter 27 Aftermath The greatest danger posed by the bitter sea wasn't its twisting currents, its towering waves, or the creatures that lurked within its depths. The greatest danger was the cold. Its brutal touch kissed Tannis everywhere. The final ember of her magic was snuffed out. Water grabbed at her heavy dress, dragging her down, deep into absolute darkness. Her lungs screamed. Air. She needed air. But there was none. She forgot who she was, as the bitter sea claimed her. A weight settled beneath her chin and across her back, tugging, pulling, upwards or downwards, forwards or back, she didn't know. Her head broke the surface, her ears unplugged to the thunderous noise around her. She gasped for breath. A wave crashed over her head, filling her nose and mouth, dumping her back under. The weight holding her disappeared. More tugging, somewhere else now. She needed to breathe. When could she breathe? Not now, not here. If the water filled her lungs? The weight returned. She moved again, but lighter this time, faster. The roar of the surface once more. She couldn't see, couldn't feel, but she gasped again. Just breathe. Just breathe. Choking, spluttering, battered by waves but held by steel. She blinked. Her vision swam back into focus. Her head tipped back towards the star-dusted sky. Try to kick your legs, came a voice in her ear. The bloodhound. Tannis was already numb, paralysed by the cold water. It didn't matter that the bloodhound held her. She wanted to survive. She tried to kick her legs. Rasping a breath, she realised she couldn't feel where her legs were. The bloodhound swore as he battled against incessant waves. All Tannis could do was will him on, this man that had haunted and hunted her. The sounds of the sea changed from a deep rumbling to the rush of the surf. Water rattled over pebbles and stones. She heard shouting and tried to shout back, but she couldn't make a sound around the chattering of her teeth. She couldn't feel her body, but she knew she was dragged from the water. Somebody hovered over her, but all Tannis could see was shadow. The person hovering disappeared, and her world tilted as she was moved again, pulled back against something solid. Blinking, her vision came back to her. Black turned to grey, spilling into pale colour. She saw arms wrapped around her middle, legs stretched around her own. Warmth spread. Tannis whimpered, curling into the touch of Griffin's magic. She had no idea how long they lay there before feeling started to return, but every second was agony. Daggers of ice stabbed her skin, 
over and over. She shook so violently her head bounced off Griffin's chest. But his warmth was always there. Slowly, the pain dimmed, and as that warmth settled into her bones, Tannis remembered. She remembered who she was and what had happened in the Guardian's Tower. The witches. She looked down the beach. There stood the bloodhound, Lucky's killer. Water dripped from his silver armour. Somehow, the weight of it hadn't impacted him, nor, seemingly, had the cold. He didn't need Griffin's comfort. Griffin, witch killer. Flexing fingers and toes, she tried to push him away. Let go of me. He held on, voice cracking. You'll freeze. But the more Tannis Ford, the more she couldn't bear to have his arms around her. We both know you don't need to be touching me to keep me warm. He didn't immediately let go. He stood, pulling her with him and holding her for a moment to be sure she wouldn't fall. Ice-slick stones dug into her feet, and Tannis glanced down. Her slippers were lost, and the bloodhound had torn away the outer skirts of her dress. She was battered physically, from the flight and the fall, but it was the blows she'd taken in the tower she knew wouldn't heal. She reached a hand, stained with bright blood, towards her necklace and gripped it tight. She'd wear those scars and never forget. The moment Griffin released her, Tannis staggered away. She didn't look at him, though his magic clung to her. She wanted to refuse it, but knew she couldn't. Instead, she stared back towards the lights of Celestia. Black smoke rose into the sky. It was so thick over the palace that Tannis couldn't see the tower. If it had been destroyed, what about the witches? She curled shaking hands into fists. What are you still doing here? Tannis felt Griffin's fury as if it were her own, and she hated it. He'd been right. They should never have shared blood. She wanted no part of him now but she looked upon the focus of his ire anyway. The bloodhound. He was a man with a face, and she danced with him, moments before he'd driven his sword through her best friend's chest. When she learned his identity in the tower, Tannis knew she'd die. That was what happened when the bloodhound found a bleeder. But he'd saved her life. He'd dragged her from the ocean when he could have let her drown. And now she was weak and vulnerable, but he only had eyes for Griffin. Those eyes were as cold as the beach Tannis shivered upon. His hair was dark with water, his cape lost. My job, he said, voice steady. I'm here for the Windwalker. Griffin exploded scattering stones as he grabbed Javin's collar and snarled. Like shit you are. The bloodhound's mouth curled into a snarl of his own, but he made no move to break free. Face inches from Griffin's, he laughed. 
Be careful, Walker. This one speaks much of loyalty, but means little with it. Griffin's knuckles whitened. He shoved the bloodhound towards the surf, while Javin's jagged smile sliced through the night. Stop, Tannis commanded. Griffin let go of the bloodhound immediately. Spinning to face her with such hope in his eyes, he looked pitiful. She had no room for pity left in her heart. She thought of that moment after Allybrook, her asking how the bloodhound had known him. She'd forgotten when the twins returned without Kiana, but she was no longer fool enough to believe Griffin would have told her the truth. You were a hound, weren't you? It was the guardian that trained you. And she's... Tannis trailed off, not needing to finish. She was daughter of a witch, and Griffin was son. He didn't speak. Truth shone in his eyes, truth she'd never known at the estate. All that time she'd spent with him, all the questions he'd answered. There were so many lies. I've never heard of a bleeder with two powers before, she mused, numbly. Tannis. She turned her back, shuddering at the softness of his voice, as she hobbled down the beach. Griffin was a liar. The others were likely dead. She was too weak to take revenge on the bloodhound, so there was no point in standing on this beach with either of them. She didn't know where to go, what to do. She had no money, she didn't even have any clothes, but damn it all, she was a bloody good thief. She'd find her sister, steal her if she had to, and then she could turn to sorting through the mess this night had made of reality. Griffin grabbed her arm. Wait. She shoved him off, wrenching a cry from her chest. Leave me alone! It'd be so much easier if she couldn't feel his heart breaking. Tannis! Closing her eyes, she stopped. Something ached within her as Griffin said, There's so much you need to know. She flinched. I need nothing from you. A thought struck her, and though the sight of him made her sick to the stomach, she flicked her gaze to the bloodhound. He seemed to know what she was thinking. I don't know if Riper Ollinger spoke the truth. The Huntress claimed your sister not long after we left Allybrook. Tannis loosed a breath as she looked to the horizon, to the stars. Once they'd held all her hopes and dreams. Now she knew hopes and dreams were dust, caught and lost in the breath of a breeze. She didn't know what to believe. If the Huntress had taken Kiana, she could be anywhere. Or the Bloodhound could be lying. Or Ollinger could be telling the truth. And if he was, at least with him, Tannis knew where her sister would end up. The estate. She drifted along the beach, barefoot and barely dressed. It would be a long journey. Too long if she was wrong. But what else could she do? The bloodhound's voice boomed. You can't return to him. She tensed. Here it came, the moment he'd seize her. 
the moment things would start to make sense again. The bloodhound killed bleeders, and that was just the way of things. Yet he didn't strike. He didn't attack. He used you to get to the witches, and he failed, Javin continued. Now he must hand you over to the Irvin Empire. Tanis laughed, walking on. He's telling the truth. The words tore from Griffin's throat, and she couldn't help but feel the honesty in them. Still, she walked. She'd never heard of the Irvin Empire, and she didn't care to find out who they were or what they wanted. If Ollinger had her sister, then it was to Ollinger that she'd go. Windwalker, the bloodhound shouted. You can't ignore who you are. For years, she'd tried to do just that. There was nothing to hope for, and so she buried hope. There was no way to save the bleeders, and so she watched them die. And when she dared to trust, dared to believe somebody might be good, she was made a fool. Eyes on the stars, Tanis curled a lip. Just watch me. Kiana winced as a shaft of sunlight burned her eyelids. She shifted where she lay, and her entire body protested, from her throbbing knees to her throbbing head. Groaning, she buried her face into her pillow, only to find there was no pillow. Instead, she lay atop a thin cushion that barely muffled the hardness of the wood beneath her. She heard the crack of a whip, the whinny of a horse. She realised the world wasn't still, but rumbling, and her stomach sank. This had happened before, and when she'd opened her eyes, she'd found the bloodhound sat across from her. For there was no doubt she was in a carriage, and with each beat of the horse's hooves, her mind caught up to the present. The gala, the huntress, lucky, and then... Taking a long breath, Kiana cracked an eye open. It wasn't the bloodhound sitting opposite her this time. It was Lord Ollinger. His expression was as severe as she'd ever seen, and she frowned as she tried to piece together the last moments she recalled from the palace. Hadn't he been there? Hadn't he helped? She tried to push herself up, but her head spun horribly and then she was leaning over the edge of the bench she laid upon as she retched. You took a terrible blow to the head. I advise you remain still for now. Kiana wiped the back of her mouth with her hand, and rolled back to her side. Each movement burned, each joint aflame. She was fed up of blows to the head, of being carted around against her will. She stared at the man before her, his beauty diminished by his misery, and she couldn't bring herself to ask. You wish to know what happened? She remained frozen, uncertain that she did. He told her anyway. The mission failed. She swallowed, eyes fluttering closed as her stomach tightened. She was sure she'd be sick again. I tried to warn you. I think it was Itana. I think she... 
Tears stung her eyes and she squeezed them shut. The others? As far as I am aware, they all survived. Stars! Kiana gasped, the relief all-encompassing. We are returning to the estate, in the hope they will join us there soon. She nodded. It was a relief, but the awful empty feeling within her remained. They'd survived, but how many others had died? And by the stars, how was she supposed to tell Tannis about Lucky? She swallowed a swell of emotion, guilt and sorrow bundled together. And the Huntress? Ollinger's lip curled. She came, sowed chaos, and disappeared just as quickly. It is her way. How little he knew, and how little Kiana wished to tell him, it was she that had brought the Huntress to the Guardian's ballroom. She gripped the edge of the bench, the bright edge of relief dimming further. Taking a deep breath, she tried to push herself up again. The carriage shifted and her elbows screamed, but she got herself halfway, and then she eased her legs to the floor. She looked back at Lord Ollinger. He hadn't made a move to help her. His eyes shone like green fire, and they didn't waver. I lied to your sister. Kiana's breath caught. The green fire blazed, brilliant and awful. She now knows of my lie and will no doubt demand the truth. Griffin will give it to her, soft-hearted fool that he is. It is only fair you hear it too, and I am the only one that can give it to you. It was enough to know Tannis had survived. She didn't want to hear more while her head pulsed nausea through her body. The witches are not, and were never, divine beings that fell to a barren land and created life. This world already existed, and Christnos already existed. The moonstone so revered by the people of Celestia is no rock, but the wreckage of their ship, the Celestia, which crash-landed on this planet one thousand years ago. Reeling, Kiana blinked at him. The witches were created a thousand years before that, manufactured by the urban nations on the brink of a new war. They were celestial weapons formed in a galaxy far from this one. The war never came, and the witches were locked away. It would have been kinder to kill them, to take them apart as they had been put together, and safer too. They were made to destroy. In the end, that is all they can do. Kiana leaned back against the wall. She hardly understood his words. Stop! His voice only grew louder. Imprisonment drove the witches to madness, and they turned on their creators, their power ripping through the empire. Millions died in an instant. The witches fled the carnage and ended up here, determined to live as they wished, calling themselves gods. Why are you saying this? He made no sense. It was impossible. Lord Ollinger lifted his chin. Because I only lie when it is necessary. 
the mission failed, and we must all band together to take the next step. He smiled, but for the first time that flash of perfect teeth made Kiana's skin crawl. His eyes fell to her knees, then slid back to her face. Would you not like to be free of pain? Stunned by the turn in conversation, she could only gape at him. There's no such thing as no pain. Not for me. He stood, only to then kneel before her. Kiana pulled back, but he caught her hand and squeezed it gently. His gaze bore into hers, and she stopped breathing altogether. I can heal you now. He pulled a knife from his boot, and she jerked back, but he turned the blade on himself, dragging it along his forearm, and Kiana's eyes widened. His blood wasn't red, nor was it golden. It was pure starlight, bright and blinding against his skin. Trembling, Kiana tore her eyes back to his. You can be free of pain this very moment, for there were not five witches. Six crash-landed on this planet. Six emerged from the wreckage of the Celestia. One cooperates with President Itana of the Irvin Empire, doing all he can to aid their research. Good research. He was so beautiful, so powerful, a witch. He was the one that had betrayed them. Kiana's vision blurred his blood. It was like he'd struck a blow to her head. Everything seemed distant, slow. She blinked, swallowed, sucked in gulping breaths. This isn't real. His hand reached up to pull down the collar of his shirt, and Kiana gasped. There, tattooed on his chest, was the symbol that had hung from Aitana's necklace. The symbol she'd said was her family crest. I am the Fireforger, he whispered. I am very real, and you must only help me to be free of the life that has bound you. Kiana stiffened, finally remembering where she'd seen that mark. It was deformed now, but it still covered the Fireforger's church on the northern edge of the Mirror Isle. It was a witch mark and that meant he could have healed her at any point. He could have offered this before now. There was a reason he hadn't. There was a reason he did so now, after Tannis had discovered his lie, after Tannis had slipped from his grasp. Something cold swept through her. She thought of Nemetra telling her to leave, of Timothy insisting she keep the note she'd found from Tannis. Timothy had said E.E. E. stood for esteemed Esquire. Timothy had deceived her, too. Tears stung her eyes, but she blinked them away. She couldn't think about the twins. She couldn't think about anything but the blood that glittered before her. He'd lied to her, but she'd be rid of her pain. He'd lie again, but this was all she'd ever wanted. You don't need to be healed. It was the Huntress that had said those words, the Windwalker. 
And though Kiana would never forget the death she'd witnessed in that ballroom, she felt her heart swell. Lionheart. She set her jaw and fixed her eyes on the window, on the rolling countryside bathed in morning light. After a long moment, Lord Ollinger returned to his seat. He didn't say another word. He didn't need to. Kiana understood she was his prisoner now, as much as she would have been the bloodhounds. She was the lure to draw Tannis in, the one they all seemed to be hunting. And he'd underestimate her. She gripped the skirts of her ruined dress tight, heart hammering against her chest. So many had died last night because she'd dared to dream. If she stopped dreaming now, they'd have died for nothing. And with that thought, she savoured her pain. Because pain meant she was still alive. Pain meant she was resisting a witch. And resisting a witch meant she was as strong as anybody. Anybody.